You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. Hello, age disruptors. Welcome to the Hack My Age podcast. Today, we are going to speak with biohacker Faraz Khan about how to heal our scars and revive our aging skin. So Faraz Khan is a former computer scientist turned longevity educator, speaker, and biohacker. Seeing his parents age before his eyes prompted Faraz to dive headfirst into the world of longevity and anti-aging. And he turned from helping large media, entertainment, pharma, and life science companies to helping everyday people beat back the scourge of aging. He launched his podcast, Anti-Aging Hacks, in 2019, where he interviews the top minds in longevity and anti-aging and health. I originally found Faraz uh, during the um, Anti-Aging Summit last December, which he organized and hosted some of the top experts in health, anti-aging and longevity. It was super cool. And he featured some of my favorite doctors. So although Faraz is not a dermatologist, he has armed himself with science-based tactics to boost our skin health that he's learned through his own research, as well as from all the experts in the field who he's been interviewing over the years. So before we start just keep in mind that for us is not a medical professional just please consider this advice as a second opinion and always seek the advice of a qualified health professional so without further ado meet Faraz welcome hello everybody uh, glad to be here Zora thanks so much for the invite I'm really excited to pick your brain on all things skin. You have amazing skin. I can see myself. (laughs) But you're you're so knowledgeable in in so many areas of aging. And um, and I wanted to know why did you decide to become so passionate about skin? Yeah, absolutely. So just as a background, uh, I used to be a computer scientist back in the day in a previous life, it seems like. But uh, I would go see my parents every year. I would see them every year. And every time I saw them, they just seemed older. They just seemed like they had, they complained more of aches and pains. They had more wrinkles on their face and their body. Um, Seemed like their hair was getting grayer. And so to me, I was, you know, and I come from an Indian family, so there's a lot of guilt passed around. Uh, And so my parents, I don't want to say guilt trip me, but they kind of did on uh, how much time I was spending away from them. And so I kind of started looking at what could I do to help them achieve healthy aging so that we could do experiences together. We could travel the world together, fulfill some of my mom's dreams of seeing Paris and Barcelona and some of these cities. And so I started researching and what I found just shocked me to my core and that there's so much knowledge available out there in this new field of longevity, anti-aging, which is what you do as well, Zora. So uh, I just went in uh, to find some quick things for my parents, and I found myself surrounded by really interesting science and scientists, and I started attending conferences and learning more about the human body and the biology. And personally, from a skin standpoint, 
I unfortunately had the worst luck of the draw with, when it comes to skin early on. Uh, my mom or in my family, we've got a predisposition to keloids, which are bumps uh, like hypertrophic scars. They're like bumps on your skin in response to an injury or a traumatic event. And I didn't know that. And uh, I, I, you know, as a young kid, brash, I was a soccer star, just uh, out there, just falling, trauma, hurting myself, didn't care. Uh, I thought I was invincible like Superman. Uh, like all young men do. So I learned that uh, there are some things that you have to kind of be careful around. And when you get some of these scars, um, it was a long and painful process. So we can get into that. Oh, so you mean when you were active and sporty, you would fall down like any kid did, but you would develop a keloid scar and the other kids didn't. Is that? No. Yeah. So yes and no. It was the soccer was fine because a lot of the injuries in soccer happened in the lower extremities where keloids don't occur on the lower half of your body. But uh, we would also, as boys, we were in boarding school and we would sit around in the evenings and like, just, you know, like try to be boxers. So we'd punch each other on the chest and the other person had to just brace for like, you know, 30 or 40 punches that are really hard. And so we were doing stupid things. And this area actually of the body, the chest, shoulders, upper back, and even your ears, are highly, highly predisposed to keloids. And I didn't know that. I didn't know we had a predisposition in my family. And so lo and behold, at 19 years old, I developed keloids and I was like, what? Or maybe it was 18. Uh, and it, that just started off a chain of a decade, more than two decades almost of just painful, painful insecurities. And then what happened? Yeah, and then they were, you know, it caused a lot of insecurity and I didn't know what was going wrong, what was wrong with my body. And so that led me on a whole journey uh, for two decades, just trying to manage them and then mostly ignoring them. Uh, but in the last couple of years, I decided that enough was enough uh, as I got into this field of anti-aging and longevity and I found ways to biohack them and basically get rid of them. Oh, interesting. So. If anybody here is listening um, and you've got keloids or you've had experience with it, please share. It's no, no problem. You can type in the chat or you can unmute yourself. I think it's, um, so you, would if you didn't um i guess be so active or bumping yourself around or messing around with the other kids then you wouldn't develop them i mean did you ever think well if i just stop bumping into things then it will stop the keloids yeah i think that if we didn't do this one particular practice of punching each other in the chest every night i <laughs> think that would have been a great help i just didn't know what i was doing right we were just like young boys full of testosterone just you know fighting each other, wrestling, punching each other, trying to trip the other person in the <laughs> soccer field. It was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Typical. Okay, so there's a question. What is a keloid? Good question. Sure, sure. I can answer that. There's, uh, when you get injured, your body, uh, when there's a tear in your body anywhere, then there's a three-stage process of healing that, that tear or that injury or that trauma. Um, the first is the inflammatory phase. Uh, and then the third phase is the actual phase where your body is rebuilding all the collagen. And so in some people, the inflammatory phase gets into overdrive uh, and there as, uh, there's a genetic predisposition for it as well, but it, it, it can form uh, one of two types of scars. And one of the, them is called hypertrophic scar, which basically sticks to where you had the injury. So let's say you got a cut right here. Uh, the scar would just kind of develop right around that cut, right? But 
if you, uh, with a keloid, when you develop a cut on your arm, for example, that keloid can grow way past the boundary of the original cut and it can keep growing. And so uh, that's the difference between a keloid and a hypertrophic scar. They're both raised. They both have a lot of collagen and, and deposition, which makes them thick. Uh, but keloids can actually grow beyond the site of the injury. Does the keloid eventually disappear on its own? Like a scar maybe kind of does? Yeah, in, in, if you're lucky, first of all, in, in very small instances, a keloid may disappear on its own. I also had hypertrophic scars from burns. Unfortunately, I got like the worst luck of the draw. Uh, burns, and then I had a, a, I got a polio shot when I was little, and that became a scar on my arm. So lots of scars that I was gifted when I was early in my, in my life. And so I had to figure out ways to get rid of them. Okay, so it's clear that the keloid is is just it's it's a it's like a scar, but just goes beyond the the um, the injury sites. It's not pretty. Um, Google it. I googled I googled keloids too because I wanted to make sure I understood what that was and what the difference is. And it is yeah, it's not nice. It's not pretty, especially if you have them on your face or neck or areas that expose. It just looks like you were you're injured or you're, you know, somebody beat you up or, uh, so you, it's, it, I can understand the trauma that can cause with somebody just a little bit. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not nice looking. People are probably always asking what, what is that or what happened to you? And probably have to always answer that question a million times over. So yes. So it's like, it's, it's like any typical scar, but what, um, what is, what causes this? Is it due to your genetics? You said, you know, I was predisposed to this or is it has something to do with age or race or ethnicity? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of factors that are co-founding uh, included in this. Keloids have a genetic predisposition. So if your parents have them or their parents have them, you are more likely to get a keloid. Uh, when it comes to the age ranges and ethnicities, it seems like people with darker skin tones, uh, African, Afro-Caribbean, East Asian descents tend to have a higher predisposition towards keloids. Um, and also age ranges are very important. In fact, like most of the keloids form when you're between the ages of 11 and 30, which is where your you know, collagen production is the highest in those ages. You're also very reckless in those ages. So you're running around bumping into things. And so that is also a factor into these. Uh, so those are some of the factors behind keloids and what exacerbates them or causes them. And when it comes to hypertrophic scars, uh, they don't necessarily need a genetic predisposition, but let's say you got a second or third degree burn, mm -hmm. 70 or 80% of those burns become hypertrophic scars. Uh, let's say that, you know, you get injured outside, um, you know, you get cuts. Some of those could become hypertrophic scars. They're not as, as bad and they don't grow too much, but uh, hypertrophic scars happen, you know, a month or two after injury. The interesting part about keloids is they can spontaneously form years after you had the injury. It's so crazy. Oh, that's crazy. So um, one quick question that we had here in the group is, does it mean anything that my body does not develop keloids? Uh, does it mean, I'm sorry, could you repeat Does it mean anything if she, if, she, if she doesn't, if there's, if I don't have keloids, is that a problem or does that mean something? No, no, that's great. You don't want keloids. <laughs> that's great. That means you have normal skin and normal response to an injury, which is what you want. So it, let's say the typical scar from a C-section uh, or an operation of some kind, that's a, I mean, that's what we'd call a normal scar. Is that a hypertrophic scar or what is that? Yeah, that's typically a hypertrophic scar, but again, 
if you're predisposed to having keloids in, in your genetics, then anything that triggers it, any type of cut could potentially become a keloid. So be very careful, you know, trying to get elective surgeries or trying to get trauma uh, to, you know, fix something in your body, knowing that you have that predisposition, because that could turn into a two decade long trauma for you. And it could, it could be very painful. So that's what I would recommend if you're young and if you have predisposition to keloids, avoid having any surgery or trauma that you, that you can get out of. Uh, when it comes to a C-section, sometimes you don't have a choice because you know the baby needs to come out. Um, and, and so in that way, uh, those could also form keloids. They could also form hypertrophic. They're probably more likely to form hypertrophic scars. Um, and so that way, and, and it's kind of planned. So you can, you can work for it. There's strategies that we'll get into which mitigate either formation of these scars or what you can do after the fact to bring them back down to normal. So we've got the kind of scars that we're thinking about now, the keloid, well, the keloid scars, the hypertrophic scars, the scars that you get from an operation or um, an injury. Is there any other kind of scars? And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's quite a scar, but um, stretch marks. I don't know if that's yeah, a- Yeah, that are just absolutely. Absolutely. Stretch marks are scars, acne. Uh, most of us have, have acne when we were in our teenage years. Um, that can leave scars behind as well. They're more indented into your skin as opposed to protruding outside, but those are scars as well. Yeah. And you could, and you've got tips to heal that too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Super interesting. So what do we, what, what forms a scar? I mean, there's our, did we cover that in terms of the, what you explained that the whole different stages of the scar or is there anything else we need to know or what's forming the scars? Yeah, yeah, I can I can touch on some of the the science behind it because I was nerding out on this for a while, oh, cool. um, and so what happens in the first phase when you get an injury or a trauma or let's say you get a cut for a C-section, then the body says, "Oh my God, something's going on. I don't know what it is." So it sends a lot of inflammatory factors to cleanse out all the foreign invaders because there might be germs that are entering your body. So it it clamps down on that thing. It swells your whole area your blood vessels get bigger and they allow all your inflammatory cytokines and your white blood cells to come in to basically lock the area, cleanse it out, and then kill all the germs in there. So that was the first phase of the response. But uh, the inflammation, it's mediating many pathways in your body. And one of them is the TGF beta pathway. And there's three proteins in that path that are critical to this. There's TGF beta one, TGF beta two, and three. So TGF beta one and two are more inflammatory on the site and studies have shown that people that are that get keloids or get hypertrophic scars or they get you know raised scars from injuries tend to have an overabundance of these first two proteins on the site that insight collagen deposition that insight you know buildup of that extra collagen layers over and above the injury um, tgf beta 3 on the other hand actually normalizes your collagen levels makes sure everything's smooth and it doesn't go over there's no overproduction. So I think in people that get these scars, there's an overabundance of the first two types of TGF beta and uh, too little of the third type. Of course, there's more things that are involved as well, but these are some of the main factors. And because of this extra inflammation, the in the remodeling phase of the scar, there's too much collagen that gets bound up. And keloids have like weird crisscross collagen formations and hypertrophic scars have parallel formations, but they're just too, too much, too much collagen. Ah, so there you heard it. You can have too much collagen, ladies. 
mm-hmm. always trying Absolutely. to not enough, but we don't want too much. You want just the right amount. So, oh, wow. Okay. That makes perfect sense. So then how, so those people who have the, the three, right. Uh, the TG beta three is that we said that that's, yeah. That's the one that normalizes. So we want to make sure we have enough of that so that your scar doesn't, sorry, scar heals um, pretty, pretty nicely. So mm-hmm. how do we hack that? How do, what can we do then? Let's say we've got these scars. Um, wait, one question. Does it, what does it, does it mean that we should not take like collagen peptides when we're injured for the scar to heal? It, it really depends. Um, again, based on how much your body is overproducing. I think by and large, taking collagen peptides internally is fine because first of all, 75% of your skin is made of collagen. 35% of what's inside your body is made of collagen. So there's a lot of collagen needs in your body outside of just a, a, a scar or an injury. So I think that you know taking collagen supplements, especially hydrolyzed collagen um, is totally fine. It's not going to increase your risk. However, if you are in the 10 to 30 year old age range and you have a predisposition to keloids, you might want to exercise a little bit of caution. Okay. Some people here feel like they have no collagen at all. So that's which we can take our, our hydrolyzed collagen in a smoothie or something or shakes. So, okay. So now let's tell us like, how do we hack this? And what, what do we do? Cause I don't know if you have a protocol, different protocols for different types of scars or, or, or is it the same for yeah. all? Yeah, it's different for the two types. Basically, we talked, or three types, I should say. Um, acne is one. Then we talked about keloid scars, which are unique in their way. And then hypertrophic scars that are formed in response to a lot of things, right? It could be burns. It could be injuries. Uh, so let's go down the, the chain there. First one is keloid scars. And what you want to do is uh, a keloid has a growth phase where it's kind of, it forms, it could form, like I said, months or years after an injury and you don't even know, uh, but then it starts to grow. And so in that phase, what you want to do is first by yourself, doing it yourself, as soon as you see something forming that shouldn't be there, you haven't had a recent injury around that site, uh, what you could do is start to manage it. And, And the way to do it is you can get these silicone sheets that are available on Amazon and all kinds of online retailers. These silicone sheets that you can stick anywhere on your body and they put pressure on the scar. So when they put pressure on the scar that reduces the blood flow coming in um, and some, uh, and, and that way it also increases the moisture coming in and that reduced blood flow uh, kind of shuts off the scar growth uh, in, in a way. And so that's one thing you can do as it's starting, right? Because the keloids could grow for years. Um, and hap- from? This. Oh yeah, you can get it on Amazon. I'll be happy to share some links. Okay, and they um, all the after. same. Like, it doesn't. We don't have to be careful, like where the source is coming from, or. Uh... Uh, yeah, uh, there's a few companies that make good ones. I've used some in the past. Like there, I've done some research on them. So uh, by and large, by and large, they're safe. These are silicone silicone gel sheets. Okay. Okay. Um, so but I'm happy to share what I've used. Yes, yes, I like to I like to get brands or something or you know what it, what yeah. worked for you because at least we have some sort of a testimonial of some kind that worked for somebody. Not that you know it's um, a big scientific study, but at least that's good enough um, to at least get started. So uh, again, when a hypertrophic or keloid scar is forming and you see it growing, you mm-hmm. can put a silicone gel sheet on it to kind of starve it 
to make sure it doesn't grow too much. But like most of us, you don't actually know beforehand. So most of the time the scar is already formed and you're like, oh my God, what is this? And now you're in the management phase. Uh, in that case, if it's an aggressive scar, either keloid or hypertrophic, especially with keloids, you can go to a dermatologist and you can get a nitrogen injection or nitrogen, I should say, nitrogen uh, applied to your, to your uh, scar, which will kind of freeze the scar and slow down the growth and stop the growth. So that's one thing you could do, apply some liquid nitrogen to it and dermatologists can do that for you. The other thing you can do is inject at the same time, inject the scar with corticosteroids, corticosteroids that reduce some of this excess collagen and they dissolve it. So that way you can manage this because the scar can get pretty big, right? You can manage the scar, you can bring it down as little as possible close to your skin level. So that's one thing you can start to do in the beginning. Then from then on, you can again use a silicone gel sheets or silicone cream. Uh, but what I've, what I love and what I've found is just using a natural technique such as uh, a derma roller. Oh. There's a couple of types. Oh, and, uh, I'm so yeah. excited. I did my first derma roller thing this morning. I, awesome. <laughs> so Great. I actually have a, I would love to know your thoughts on that because I was wondering, I had to watch those YouTube videos and make sure I was I was doing them right because I was scared I was doing it wrong. So mm -hmm. I can't wait to get to that one. So that one, you think that one's pretty good for the scars? It's unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. Really? I, but wait a second. I, you I, said the keloids, if it's kind of like you, you had, you know, bumps and injuries and things because the derma roller, as it was explained to me, is you're pretty much putting holes in your face. And I would yeah. think that would make the keloids more aggravated. That is a fantastic question. And let's go back to the science behind this. So when you do, and I'm going to share uh, the derma roller, I'm going to hold it up here to the screen. Uh, when you do have a derma roller, it's got these needles, which I don't know if you can see. Oh, that's a, that's a different derma roller. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is more of a derma stamp. Um, yeah. There's rollers like this, which you can just roll on your face mm -hmm. or on your scalp. I've done scalp derma rolling for quite a while to help create better hair, grow better hair. Uh, okay, so coming back to derma rollers, the way that they work for scars is as we talked about, there's the scar, if you have hypertrophic or keloid scars, you may have more TGF beta one and two and too little of TGF beta three. So the inflammation is very high and that causes too much collagen to come and deposit. Yeah. And so what these things do, what's magical about derma rollers or derma stamps is that they, they injure your skin, but not enough. They injure it just right. So obviously your body says, I've got an injury, something's going on. So it sends the inflammatory cytokines like it would before. Uh, TGF beta one and beta two come in and say, okay, there's no blood, like things seem to be okay. It's, the injury is not that deep. After two weeks, those are gone. Mm -hmm. And then TGF beta three gets elevated and stays elevated for up to eight weeks. So it's, mm -hmm. that's doing the good work of making sure your collagen is normalized, making sure it's smooth as opposed to bumpy and ridgy. So uh, that's what I love about derma rolling. I learned this from Dr. Aust, who's in Germany. He's a fantastic person. He's an expert. He did, uh, microneedling is pretty pretty new. It was, we found out how it worked in 1994. Uh, and Dr. Aust has done some really cool studies in 2008 and 2010 uh, that showed derma rolling can work on burn scars. It can work on keloids. It can work on all kinds of hypertrophic scars that you have anywhere in your body to level out not only raised scars, but also indented scars when it comes to acne and others. It can really help 
bring your skin surface back to normal, rejuvenate your skin and create new collagen and fresh collagen. Okay, I have a question. So I have a friend who has this, like the whole face is the scars and the little bumps and she's been like that probably about 30 years now. And I don't think she's done anything. Well, maybe I'm sure she's done stuff, but I'm wondering if I recommend this, 30 years it's been like this. It's like kind of formed. If I were to ask her to do the derma roller, would that help? Yes, in my opinion, absolutely. Again, I use these on 20 year old scars and it works like magic. Wow, okay. So what I learned a lot about the derma roller today was um, the size of the needle is important, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I guess there's derma rollers for actually the body or something that's quite more intense. And then I'm wondering the the longer needles over 0.5, then the TGF beta one and two may become too active because you do start to produce the blood and, I think they was re- they recommend only to do this in a salon and not to attempt this at home. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so I'm a biohacker. I have gone, and again, this is not for everybody. I've gone three millimeters. Whoa. I do that. Yeah, what? I do that often. It's not a big deal. The way to the way to approach derm rolling or microneedling is you want to make sure you start with the smaller smaller needle. Start with the zero point five. Okay. Make sure. Your skin's okay, nothing's freaking out. It's all good. See the reaction, wait for four weeks. Do it every four weeks if you're oh. starting out. Um, and then the next time. Once every, four weeks, once every four weeks? Once every four weeks. Just for the 0. When you're starting. 0.5? Yeah, just for the 0. 0.5. Just when you're starting out the first time, okay? Yes. Then when you see that everything's okay, then go up to one millimeter. Then wait four weeks, see what happens. Then if, you feel, if you're feeling confident and fresh, then you can go to 1.5. And then you can go to two. But again, um, obviously there's risks of infection. So you want to be careful. You want to dip this derm roller with the needles in alcohol, like high uh, percentage alcohol, like 99% or 90% alcohol solution for about 10 minutes to make sure there's no germs here. Then you want to cleanse your face very carefully with soap and water, make sure there's no germs there. But it's super safe. And the best part about this is you could try lasers. You could try other treatments. Uh, to get rid of some of the scars, but there's a risk that you could get hyper or hypopigmentation with those techniques. This, uh, with derma rolling, the risk of either of those is super, super low. I Somebody gifted it to me, so I don't know how much, how expensive they are. Are their derma rollers expensive or does it depend on the brand or the needle size? No, you could get one on Amazon for $20, super cheap. Um, I, would, I would recommend if you are dealing with scars, um, or just even in general, I think buying a derm roller is this one's probably two, two millimeters or 1.5, I don't know. Uh, this one, so you could buy a set, you could buy 0.51, 1.52, 2.5, or you could buy a derma stamp that's, uh, you could, that you know, you can change the different widths of it. Ooh. So you have one device and you can say, I'm gonna do 0.5 month one, one millimeter next month, 1.5, two with just one device. So it's much easier. Uh, alternatively, you can also buy these motorized devices that are sold like by Dan or Dermapen where they're, they've got these needles that shoot out at a very uh, quick rate. And so you can move those over your scars or your face. And then you can also select the actual needle length there. 
Oh, that's interesting. So at what point do you stop? Do you like, okay, I've got the scar just until the scar's gone or until your skin is less, fewer wrinkles or do you use some treatment that you do every single day for the rest of your, well, not every day, but regularly for the rest of your life? Yeah, so very interesting, great question. Again, if you have scars, the, the crazy part about using a derm roller is you think, man, like there's the scars shiny, there's extra collagen, it's got it's bumpy and ridgy. Like, how's my how is this even gonna work? How's my skin gonna become smooth again? The great part is you don't need to know because your body is very intelligent. If you if you damage it just the right way, it's gonna remodel and resurface everything so your skin looks normal. So that's the first part. Secondly, I, I believe your question is more about the face, right? If how how long do I keep doing this in my face? Um, I would say that once you start doing this, uh, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a, a whole program right now. So I'm doing one to 1.5 on my face every four, three to four weeks. So I'm doing this three to four sessions. When you do three to four sessions off a drum roller with, with decent length, then you'll start to see improvements in your skin. And at, and at that point, you could say, well, I'm gonna do this once every quarter. It's just gonna be part of my routine. And it takes literally five to seven minutes, right? It's, it doesn't take very long. Um, so I am probably planning to do it every quarter for the rest of my life because when we talk about aging, your body is losing homeostasis. Collagen production declines by 35% into your middle ages. And so you want to keep rejuvenating your skin as much as possible. There's, there's things that are beating down on your skin. There's sunlight, there's chemicals, pollutants. So yeah, so you need all the help you can get to get the best skin that you have and look as good as you can for as long as possible. So yes, every quarter. And that's okay. So you said it's five to seven minutes. Do you work like quadrants or um, like how long should you stay in say your cheek area before you move on to your chin or your forehead? I'm, I'm such a newbie when it comes to dermal yeah. roll. You guys already know this, but. <laughs> so let's say, let's say that you're using a dermal roller. Yeah. Okay. The, the beauty of this is you can cover a lot of space in very little time. And so you put it on your skin and you just roll it, right? I haven't cleaned this, so I don't want to put it on my skin. But the way you do it is, let's just say, I'll uh, demonstrate on my, uh, on my forehead. And for people that are listening, what you do is you do six to eight vertical up and down movements while pressing down the drum roller with light pressure. Then you do horizontal movements for six to eight. Uh -huh. And then you'll do four to six diagonal on both sides, 45 degrees, right? So you've made... I don't know, four, six passes vertically, six passes horizontally, and then four to six on each side. So, you know, 15 to 20 passes with your skin with light pressure, that is enough and you're done. You can be wow. done in 10 minutes. And I just apply hyaluronic acid before I start. And then I do this and then I'll apply hyaluronic acid after. And okay. that's all the topicals I will do. Okay, yes. Yeah. So what I learned also today was that it's super important is to make your products absorb better into the skin. But she also recommended that, I wish I could say who this was that I followed her YouTube video and give her some credit, but I don't remember her name. Hey, I'm butting in right now because I remembered who that was. That YouTuber was How to Do Derma Rolling Right at Home by Pampered Wolf. You can go and Google it on YouTube. So, it was, she said, you gotta be careful not to put in Retin-A or harsh, something with glycolic acid, uh, not even vitamin C serums. Cause that, yes. was, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, ooh, I'm gonna put on my vitamin C serum. Yes. And no, and so all I did was put on my um, moisturizer and the hyaluronic acid. 
I did it, I don't know if I did it after, but yeah, I got the hyaluronic acid spray. I think that's brilliant. But what would you say to that? Is that true or could you put on anything you want? Uh, that is true. Absolutely. What, uh, so there's different modalities. If you're going to, if you're using this to rejuvenate your skin, then you're probably going to go deeper than, uh, than using it for increased delivery of topical nutrients. So there's two, there's two things there. Let me unpack that. One, if you're trying to remodel collagen, you want to go a little bit deeper because uh, the deeper you go, the better the actual skin uh, that, regrowth that collagen so that means a zero above a 0 0.5. So you're talking about a one to two uh, millimeter. Yeah, on your face, I would probably not go more than, I would start with a 0 0.5 to begin and then probably go to one next. I have done, myself, I've done one up here and then 1.5 uh, down in this area. But that's me and I've been doing this for a little while. So um, but that you take that to, as you. That is, takes a little bit longer because you have to keep pushing and pulling, pushing and pulling kind of a thing. Correct. 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 The, the, the advantage of using a derma stamp or a derma roller is when you're doing the roller, um, you have to use a high quality roller. I would not recommend a $20 roller on your face because some of these are going at an angle as it's rolling. It's not going vertically in. So it's going to hit your skin at an angle that could cause damage that could cause your skin to, uh, you know, heal it from the damage instead of trying to just remodel the collagen based on uh, vertical needles. So this can cause more damage if it's not a high quality derma roller. Uh, so be careful of this. But with this, what you can do is you just press firmly down on the skin. And you know that it's not going at an angle. It's not like beating up the skin as it's going in. So that's why I like this one a bit more. So this will take uh, more than five to seven minutes, but I think this is better. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go buy one of those. Um, and if you've got a recommendation, <laughs> give it to us. Um, one question, is it true that you have to change your derma roller every three to four months? If you're using a low quality dermalure, yes, you do. You should. Uh, if you use a high quality one for $100, $120 or so, then you can use that for a year. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because I understood that if the needles are bent, also you can cause more damage. Correct. So yeah, you don't want it. You're here to improve the skin, not to make it worse. Another question. Um, do you know Dr. Des Fernandez? He is the inventor of the derma roller. And he says after derma roller and microneedling, vitamin A, also vitamin C is healing, wrinkling, and scars. Have you heard of that? Yes. Him? I've heard I've heard of uh, Dr. Hernandez. Um, but let me say this, or Fernandez, I don't know his name. But let me say this. Uh, there's some studies that have been done that also looked at topicals that you can apply with or before microneedling. And the study that Dr. Aust did, they found with high confidence that applying a vitamin A, C, and E serum for a month, for four weeks before you started microneedling treatments led to better outcomes. And so you can, I've got a solution or cream that I use uh, from a company called Environ. It's a vitamin A, C, E enhanced cream. Uh, and I've been, I was, I've been using this, it's super easy. Um, and you, you basically do it for two to three, two to four weeks before you start, and then you start microneedling. So that's the best approach that studies have found. Of course, you could start microneedling on dry skin and then do it after. But if you're just going to plan this out, then start applying vitamin ACE before you do that. So yes, I agree with that. I like that fact that you got something that's all together ACE. Is that something you can find easily or is yeah, that yeah. one that has all three, for example? Uh, yeah, this, this one has all three, uh, all three in it. Um, so this is a pretty, pretty easy one.
for most okay. people. And I'll, I'll send you the link as well. Yes. Um, so another question, do you clean your derma roller with alcohol before you use it? Absolutely. Every time. Um, what I'll do is I'll either take a shot glass or something else where you can pour some alcohol into it. And then you just basically um, take out all the needles and then I just set it in there. I'll go take a shower, come back and lift it off, rinse it, let it dry. So the alcohol dries off pretty quickly and then you can apply it. So sterilize, it's, it doesn't have any infections. They can't harm your body. It's super, it's actually very safe procedure. And I know that that when you go to see an expert in this field, an esthetician or a dermatologist, uh, they recommend you come in for these procedures. And of course it makes sense because there's a small tiny bit of, of risk of infection, right? And that you may not do it right. You may use the wrong derm roller. I get that, but uh, it also doesn't incentivize some of the, some of these experts to have you doing your skin routines at home. Yeah. Yeah, we need as many hacks as we can right now, especially with lockdown and pandemics. <laughs> we can't get to yeah. a salon or it's costly, right? So mm -hmm. you know, if we can do stuff at home, I think it's always a good, it's a good place to start. I always, my motto is let's start least invasive, try things simple at home and you can always work your way up. Um, so another question we have is, oh, by the way, speaking of the alcohol, I did see some of the YouTubers were saying to, they do, the alcohol before and after um so yes, yes. We, and yes. one of one of them said she just puts it under hot boiling water um and then uh so there's a little different techniques i guess if you have one of those little machines that that um for you like the nail salons you can probably put put it in there and it through light as well um takes away the bacteria so i guess choose your weapon and the 10 minutes i was doing mine i thought i thought it would be fine just like a minute but maybe I should be doing 10 minutes. So <laughs> you're putting you're putting holes in your face. So it's so easy to get bacteria and infections there. You don't wanna get this wrong. So I'm gonna be now doing it for 10 minutes. Another question we have, so the vitamins ACE, to clarify, I see to, the vitamin ACE four weeks without the needles and then the vitamin ACE before the needle treatment you don't need to do it right before the needle treatment. What I, what I do is I started applying the ACE, I believe it was two or three weeks before I started. And then I started doing the microneedling. And then right when I do the microneedling, I only use hyaluronic acid because again, to your point, vitamin C has been shown to cause a little bit of granuloma if you inject it or you put it on your skin right after you do microneedling. And so um, that's what I do is around when I'm doing the needling, I'll put hyaluronic acid on my face or on, on the scar, do the needling, put hyaluronic acid again, wash the roller with soap and water, put in alcohol and put it back where it belongs. Um, and that way for the next you know, few hours, I won't put any, I won't put the, this cream, I won't put ACE on it, just put hyaluronic acid two or three times. And then maybe 12 hours later, I'll start putting the ACE back on. Because what happens is when you do the derma rolling, you open up micro channels and there's two schools of thought. One is, use the derma rolling for skin rejuvenation. For that, you want to go a little bit deeper. Uh, when you use the derma roller just for improved, you know, topical delivery to your skin, then you can use 0.25 millimeter. You can use 0.5 millimeter. It's a quick, you, you just open up the channels in your skin so the topicals can get in more easier. They go past the skin barrier. So there's the two ways that people use derma rolling for. 
Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. I heard one person on the YouTube say that they, you could, if it's 0.1 to 0.5, you could do it daily. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. You could do daily if it's that little. Okay. I I personally wouldn't, but you could. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, if, if if doing it once every four weeks is good enough, then, you know, Mm -hmm. let's save time and do other things. So. (laughs) And you're going deeper. When you're doing it once every four weeks, you're not doing 0.1, you're doing one millimeter, right? It's 10 yeah, minutes. that's true. That's true. So what other question? Can you use it on your neck? Absolutely. I use it. I use it right here on these lines. On the I neckline. You can eyes. use it. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I see them because we're harsh on ourselves, right? <laughs> we see all the minor imperfections. So yes, you can use it in your that's neck. That's awesome. What about hyaluronic acid brands? You got recommendations? I use uh, this one from Cosmetica Skincare. It's simple. It's like 10 bucks or 12 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a serum. Yeah, it's a serum. Okay. I use a, a spray. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's by New Skin, and I love it because it's easy, and I just do it all day long. So it's a, and it's awesome. and it's not expensive, so it's great. So that's there's two brands for you, and we can send this all in an email, or you can get in touch with us later on if you if you need more. Um, okay, so we've gotten so deep into the derma rollers. I think um, I'm personally interested in it because I did my first treatment today. But so, what is there anything is is you think that's the, the best thing for the scars uh, or rejuvenating the skin or is, is there something that's even better? Yeah, so I will talk about, there's some therapies, unfortunately for keloid scars and even for hypertrophic scars that are, that are pretty big, uh, you have very limited options. So you can go to a surgeon and you can, you can basically excise them or you can surgically remove the scar. But with the keloid and hypertrophic scar, chances are it's gonna come back bigger and better. So you don't want to be surgically removing scars, especially if you're predisposed to these things. So that's, I would caution you away from that. But if you wanted to, if it's, if it's huge, some people have just unbelievably big keloid scars, then you may, surgery might be the option. In that case, you can add radiotherapy with it. And that has shown to reduce the incidence of the recurrence of that scar. So surgery and, um, you know, radiotherapy could, could be an option, but again, I don't prefer radiotherapy because you're putting radiation in your body. So that's one option. Two, obviously we talked about the, uh, the silicone, either the, the, you know, the sticky um, pads or you could use a silicone gel. Those have been helpful as well. But one study found that if you use microneedling every few weeks, every three to four weeks on the scar and you use silicone gel every day, every day, silicone gel, uh, that was a much better than just using microneedling by itself. So uh, what I do, uh, or what I have done is do the microneedling, do the silicone gel during the day. And the benefit of it is if you're going out and your scars in an area where it's exposed, then it dulls the shine from that scar because shine, scars shine. It's, it's, it's yeah. so interesting. Um, and so the silicone, silicone gels 
can actually dull the shine from the scar so it's not as visible to other people. And then at night, you can apply the ACE. So there are three things you can do to really improve uh, the scar and how quickly you can heal and get uh -huh. back to normal skin. So if we do all of those for the whole protocol, then actually we have a better chance to probably heal it even faster. Uh, again, studies have shown if you improve the moisture to a scar right after an injury, right after surgery, then the scar is less likely to aggravate and create some of those conditions. So as much moisture as you can to a scar is helpful. So whatever they're doing probably works. Have you got any recommendations for stretch marks? Yeah, so there's, there's two different phases of a stretch mark. The first one is when you, or even before we talk about the phases, they happen because of some rapid gain in weight or loss in weight. Um, pregnancy only could, could cause, or after pregnancy could cause some, some of those scars. Uh, it's, it's important that when you are thinking about this, and we don't normally because we're like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds quickly, or I want to become big. And for men, we're like, yeah, let's put on some muscle really fast. Fortune leads to some of these scars. So if you can be careful about those, uh, these are a bit harder. Uh, and there's two phases to these uh, to these scars. One is uh, the red phase where they're forming and they're kind of kind of growing, uh, and the second phase is a more atrophic uh, phase where like they dent under the skin's natural surface or the natural layer, uh, and they become more white, whiter uh, than redder. And it's easier, of course, to deal with these scars when they're in the red phase, when they're in the active phase. You can use retinoids. Um, there are some lasers that can help as well. But again, coming back to microneedling is also an effective technique for these scars, even when they're red and when they're white. Um, because what you want to do is stimulate the, the, the collagen and the, and the dermis to regrow that collagen. And we know that when TGF beta 3 comes in, it wants to make things back to normal, even if it's indented or if it's a scar that's, uh, you know, protruding outside your skin surface. So it's, it's actually quite effective. Um, you can use that with the retinoids. Retinoids also help refresh, rejuvenate the skin. Uh, just don't do it too close to your microneedling, too close post microneedling, because it can, it can still a little uh, sensitive. But yeah, combination of microneedling and retinoids could be quite effective for uh, stretch marks. It takes too many lasers for, for the stretch marks to get okay. I think it takes 10 to 20 lasers and that's gonna be prohibitively expensive for a lot of people. Yeah. What do you think about retinoids, retin-A uh, in general for wrinkles and anti-aging? Yeah, I think they're good. I'm a bigger fan of retinols, which are weaker retinoids, uh, but uh, I've used isotretinoin, which is a, a retinoid. It's, it's quite strong. I use the weakest version of it, 0.025, um, but I prefer the retinol version because it's a little bit weaker. Uh, it's not as strong. It doesn't slough off your skin as much. Uh, we know that Accutane used to be a acne medication that you would take. This, this was in 2010 when it finally, they stopped it. And I remember I, I got on it for six months because I, I had acne scars and I was kind of desperate. Um, and I got on it, but I remember when I went in, they told me that, hey, this could cause suicidal thoughts. This could cause depression. And, I, you know, it led me to take a step back, but I was like, oh, I'm young and full of life. There's no depression in my life. So I did it. But uh, I would caution people. And so thankfully, they've, they've taken that drug off the market. But uh, so I, again, I would be careful about very strong um, forms of retinoids. But retinol in, in your skincare or moisturizing cream is totally fine. And there is, if you do get, uh, if you're sensitive to retinol, then you could use this new ingredient in skincare that's making all the rage called bakuchiol or 
I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, yeah. B-A-K-U-C-H-I-O-L. That's a gentler form of retinoid. Um, that's not as aggravating. Do you get this at the pharmacy or where? No, this, this is usually compounded with lots of creams or you know serums online. So companies are now investing and using uh, whatever this is, how do we pronounce this, Bacuchiol in, uh, in their serums. So you could get a serum with it instead of retinols. But you know, very often you have to know which. At least, this is my personal opinion. Like I, I when I use retin retin A or retinols, I prefer to get it just pure, and I can I can decide how much I get because I don't trust how much is actually put in because it's it may be expensive and and the companies want to spend that much, and so they mm -hmm. they may put the tiny bit just for marketing purposes. So true, true. How, how do you choose a good cream that's got enough? retinoids in it, retinols? That's, that's a great question that unfortunately I don't have the answer to. Yes, creams, what they do generally, if you look at the back of an ingredient panel, is you will see ingredients in descending order. So you will see that the first ingredient, the second, the third, and then it keeps going down. But in a lot of these hair, hair care and skincare serums, these ingredients are in small, small percentages. So you don't know if it's 0.05% or 0.5%. So yes, your point, Zora, it's, it's very hard to know what's actually in there. So would you would you recommend then just buying the, the pure ret retinol and then just take micro doses or as much yeah. as you can blend it with your own creams? If you can blend a retinol with, you know, in two hands with a moisturizing cream that you love, yeah, I think that's a, a great strategy. It's a little more inconvenient for people to have two different things and then they put it together. But yeah, it's a great strategy. And if you're going to use retinoin, retin-A, then use, I would say, use the least uh, concentrated form. So 0.025%. Yes, I agree. That can go very wrong. And then my other recommendation is, I notice a lot, a lot of dermatologists do not want to recommend that to women who are there for the wrinkles because we can get real sun damage. And so they don't even want to go there. But it's, mm -hmm. an, it's actually an amazing for me, like <laughs> it's an amazing um, product I, that you can you can use, but you've got to put on sunscreen. If you don't, you're going to ruin your skin and expose yourself to skin cancer and and all kinds of issues. So if you do use Retin A um, and go like Faraz said, go low dose, zero point zero two five. Start small uh, because you'll be very surprised if you go too fast too soon. So um, and always use sunscreen. Um, that's, that's my one tip for better skin is stay out of the sun or protect it. <laughs> mm -hmm. We need our vitamin D, but you can, I, I'd rather protect my face. I usually go out and protect my face. I'll expose my arms, my legs, but <laughs> I keep my face um, not exposed mm -hmm. to the sun. Um, one question we have here is I got small stretch marks on my knees from the front side, even though I might have gained two pounds max during the lockdown. Can there be another reason of stretch marks besides weight gain? Uh, yes, there is a genetic reason as well. There's a genetic predisposition towards stretch marks. <clears throat> and we don't, scientists, researchers, dermatologists don't really understand uh, the genetic piece of this because it's not in response to massive weight gain or weight loss. So unfortunately, uh, that's the hand you're dealt, but luckily for you, there are some technologies and resources you can use to get perfect skin again. So the sooner you act, the better. Okay, that's good. That's hope. 
<laughs> there's hope. There's hope. Um, so another question here for stretch marks, micro needling only needed every four weeks. Yeah, I would do the do the same protocol with the exception of the silicone gel because with stretch marks, your skin is indented. You don't want to uh, with silic what silicone gel does is it brings the skin down, it eats away the top layers of the scar. So you don't want to use that at all. But I would use a vitamin ACE cream and uh, use microneedling every you know four weeks. Start with you can for a stretch marks, you can start with one millimeter and then go up from there. Um, you might you might see more benefits from a deeper uh, deeper indentation with the, or deeper needle size, I should say, uh, for those. So I would try there. Uh, there's again, not, it's not a hundred percent. Certain people respond better to that than uh, others, but it's free and you can do it at home. And if that doesn't work, then you can go to your dermatologist. Mm, good, good advice. Another question about stretch marks on the breasts seems like kind of a sensitive area, yeah. um, but is that a safe or okay to also do that? Yeah, it's safe. Cool. Microneedling is safe. Again, start small, 0 0.5, and then uh, go up from there. Oh, awesome. Okay, I've got, oh, how many of the questions keep coming in? What is the brand and the name of your derma roller? Uh, I believe this one's from Koi, Koi Beauty, K-O-I Beauty. Uh -huh. And it, the, beauty of, the beauty of it is that uh, you can adjust the lengths. So you can say, okay, I want to go up to one millimeter. I'm gonna go up to 1.5. This is a three, I think. So wow. you can change the different needle lengths and uh, you can then make it clean, but then you can apply this directly. And uh, the other beauty is that it doesn't go in sideways. So it's not creating, creating trauma to your skin or damaging your skin. It's going in vertically, which as you as the artist, you have to make sure you put it in vertically. And you just press, it is no button that just kind of pops it in. You just, you you just press. press and then pull it out, press, pull it out. And I, I typically do either one or two passes with this, not, not too many passes, but two, two to three passes stops, I guess. Okay, 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 that's cool. I think that's, um, that's super informative. Uh, um, I've got a question. Um, so myself, before we get into more of my questions, is there anything that, that we haven't covered in terms of treatments and things that, that you need to share before I butt in? <laughs> Um, I think those are, those are some good ones as I, oh, here's a, here's a, a scar gel, silicone scar gel. Oh, uh, there's well, multiple gel. companies that make it. New gel um, plus E. Gel. Yeah. This is one of the brands. There's multiple companies that make it. One other thing I would say about scars, there's a lot of cosmetic companies that are selling all of these scar creams like Mederma and onion and Allenton gel. None of that works. None of that works on a scar. It might help, might help with the coloration, but it's not going to do anything with the scar itself. So stay away from that. It's gimmicky. Do things that actually move the needle, uh, that, that make changes uh, that help you. And then at the end, if there's a little bit of, you know, discoloration that you want, maybe you could try that, but not in the beginning. Mm. So what is then your skincare routine, like in general? So you've, we've covered the scars. We know you don't have any more scars left. You've treated them all. Right? Uh, they're almost gone. They're almost gone. And so I'll have pictures out. I'll take pictures the next month or two. How long did it take for you to go from zero to hundred? <laughs> Good point. This is a long process. It's not, it's not going to happen in a couple of months. I would say give it a year, uh, if not more, mm. year and a half even, because you're starting, you're only doing this you know, once every four weeks. And for most people, that's how they should start. I am a little bit more aggressive. 
uh, I'll do them every 10 days or every 14 days. But, uh, but yeah, start with every four weeks and go from there. Yeah. Okay, guys. It's like weight loss. Give it some time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, give it some time. Uh be patient. Don't give up. I always say that with sort of even just with general skincare or things that, you know, or machines and gadgets that I use or would recommend, they don't work if you don't use them. You know, sometimes people mm -hmm. use a cream or a gadget for a couple of weeks, maybe a month, and then they give up and you think, well, you didn't yeah. give it time to sink in, to settle in. It's people get very patient and they move on to the next bell and whistle and cream or whatever that hangs in there. So um, what do you recommend or what do you know, what do you do yourself, first of all, because you've got an awesome skin. Uh, you. What's your routine, like your daily routine, your weekly, your monthly? I mean, we know that every month or 10 days, 14 days, you do the derma roller, but what else will your routine look like daily? Yeah, sure. Actually, I just started doing the derma roller for the first time and you know, I don't know what it is being a man uh, for the first 30 to 35 years of my life. I barely washed my face and somehow got along. Uh, didn't certainly didn't apply, uh, you know, sunblock at all. So uh, luckily that was that was good. But, um, you know, like I think of things as blessings in life. And when I was dealt a hand of having keloids and scars uh, on my chest, I was just afraid of going out in the sun. Um, you know, in Vegas or sitting out in the sun for hours and hours. So maybe that saved my skin in a way because we were just too reckless when we were in our 20s. So maybe that was the blessing that I should have recognized back then, but I thought it was a curse. So uh, anyway, so that was part of my reason is, is staying away from the sun too much when I was in my 20s and early 30s. And now what I've started doing is I've, I've started washing my face more. Uh, and so I wash my face a couple of times, morning and night, and then I apply an antioxidant cream. A serum, if you will, uh, especially with vitamin C in there. So I'll do that. And then a moisturizing is super important. And then um, when I do, uh, so I, so that's my basic routine, right? Uh, cleansing, uh, toner, with vitamin C or, or antioxidant, and then moisturize. So that's my base. I also love using aloe vera on my face. It's, it's anti-inflammatory. It's just a great thing as a moisturizer to have in your skin. So I do that quite often. Uh, there's a company, it's called Hawaiian Moon Aloe. I met them at a conference Hawaiian and man, Moon yeah, Aloe. Okay. I, I do like this brand. It's really good. So, so that's what I use. And then I'll, I'll do once in a while, I'll do things like methylene blue. This methylene is, blue. what's that? Yeah. This is an antioxidant that is used to clean fish tanks, actually, usually. <laughs> yeah. It's blue. It's very, very blue. Yeah. Um, it's like super blue. So, um, but I mix this with my copper peptide serum and um, I'll apply that together onto my face once, you know, once a week or so, um, or even every two or three days sometimes. I'll go in cycles, but this is a very good antioxidant for your face. It cleanses out all the damage from that we're taking from the environment, the pollution, the sunlight. Uh, so that's a good one. Then I've got uh, copper peptide cream is uh, from the ordinary. Cream. Um, yeah, just again, it's not too complicated. Then I'll do, I've started doing derma rolling now. I'm going to do it once every three weeks with an aggressive length. I want to say that maybe listeners here should not start with, yeah. but uh, that's what I'm doing for three to four months. And then for the first time ever, I think I'm going to get a laser done this year, a laser treatment. Ah, um, so, just yeah. for, for your space, your skin, just for general rejuvenation or? Yeah, just for, just for my face. Again, you know, I, I think my face, my skin looks pretty good, 
but it could always be better. Um, I know that I have sunspots. I haven't taken care of my skin for, for a long time. Uh, and uh, I just want to get an aggressive laser treatment to kind of reset. And then from then on, I'll be more careful. Yes, I love laser treatments. I think I feel so rejuvenated when I leave. Uh, when you have a good one, make sure you have a good a good person because it's not the the machine is great, but the person behind the machine is more important. Yeah, um, exactly. Can we ask how old you are? Yes, I am. Uh, I just turned forty recently. Awesome! You oh gosh, it look awesome. You do not look forty, and you are starting early. Don't worry. You think you're late, but <laughs> you're, you're you. saving, saving your skin from the sun. Probably was a really great thing, and um, and and you're actually I love it that a man is talking about skin, <laughs> skincare. This is so great. It's a message to all you guys out there who are listening. I know you're out there listening. Keep going, keep taking care of your skin. It's so important. Um, do men have different skin types than women? I think that, I don't know that they have different skin types. I will say this, that I've noticed that a lot of men just treat their skin like crap for the longest time and they seem to do okay. They seem to do okay. So my hunch is that it has something to do with the hormonal shifts that uh, women experience on a month-to-month -month basis. But also I know that, you know, menopause can have a, have a big effect on a woman because the estrogen level, estrogen is good, good for your skin and hair, declines precipitously as you go through menopause. So that's another reason why, uh, why men might hold up a little bit better in the skin department. Uh, and then thirdly, I would say that women um, do tend to, of course, you know, they get measured on a different scale of beauty. They have to look good. They have to be on point all the time. They have to make point. So it's, it's a double standard for sure, but that, it, that makes women go buy all these products. And it's, what they don't realize is that there's a lot of harmful ingredients in products. There's endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors. There's actual things that are causing oxidative stress. So yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a little cream a day doesn't make a difference, but it's, if you think about aging and if you think about, you know, decades of aging, what happens is every day your body is getting cuts. It's getting cuts when you go outside in the sun for 30 minutes. It's getting a cut when you are pumping your gas and you, you know, breathe in those fumes from the gasoline. It's getting a cut when I don't know, you put on, you know, you're drinking dirty water, for example. So you're getting cuts all day, every day, and your body has to maintain this homeostasis of how can I fight back against these cuts? And at some point, the cuts just become heavier and you can't fight back enough. So you start to age and everything starts to go downhill. Your collagen dysregulates. Um, and so that's why it's important just to make sure that whatever you use in terms of beauty creams or products, make sure they're free of all of these phthalates, parabens, benzophenones, because an average woman actually uses 12 products before she leaves her house in the morning. This is pre-COVID, of course. The average man uses about four or so. So there's a lot that's building up over the years and it's starting to weigh you down. So just be careful of that. And then thirdly, uh, I think most dermatologists don't talk about this, is that your beauty begins from within. And so what you put in your body is extremely, extremely important. So, you know, avoid the oxidation, avoid the inflammation, eat a lot of greens, eat eat skin healthy foods uh, and you'll do better than others, your friends. I have to say, yes, this is a super important point. Um, what you put on your skin is, is important, but I think just as importantly, if not more, is what you put in. And having have 
high antioxidants, a very, I hate the word clean diet um, because it makes everything else sound dirty, but you know what I mean. Just having loads, loads of, of healthy foods in your body helps heal, heal scars. This is, this happened to me about 10 years ago, maybe it was 10, not even six to eight, 10 years ago. I cut my finger, I literally sliced a, the tip of my pinky on, on the, what are those stupid slicing machine things? I had to pick up the little piece of finger, ran to the doctor, and I, I blood splurting all over the place. She wrapped me up, and I came back to change the bandage. I had to have her do it because it was really bad. I think it was probably about a week or so after, and she goes, huh, you have a really clean diet, or you must eat really well. And I said, why do you say that? She says, because you're you heal so fast. Mm -hmm. And so there is definitely something to be said about making sure your diet is really, really strong and supporting your skin, supporting your the scars that are healing. Um, it's really, really important. So um, we, we didn't even touch on that. Is there any kind of foods you would recommend something specific that's for scars and healing? Oh, yes, we didn't talk about this. So if you are going through your scars, if you are trying to heal scars at some point and you're damaging your skin often, um, one, if you're in the 10 to 30 year old range, be more careful on this front. But if you're past 30, then, uh, then, you have, then you can be a little bit more liberal. But there's certain components, there's certain foods that your body needs that are important for it to produce collagen on its own. Again, collagen is 70% of your skin and it's involved in every major organ in your body. There's the lining of every major organ is made up of collagen in a, in a lot of ways. So your body has a lot of needs for collagen. So, in, in, so to boost my own body's uh, collagen, I do a couple of things. One, I'll take uh, either a hydrolyzed collagen supplement into my protein shake. Uh, and hydrolyzed is helpful because these are broken down. What happens is there's a lot of collagen, for example, and in the hide, the skin of a cow or, or a pig. And it, some manufacturing practices require you to boil those, those skins so that the collagen gets released into the water. Uh, then when you boil it, it turns to gelatin. And you might've heard of gelatin. Uh, studies are now finding that you can actually even eat gelatin and, and get collagen in your body. So that's one thing. Uh, but gelatin is further broken down into hydrolyzed collagen, which is smaller amino acids. So they go into your stomach and they go past and then your body can use them. Studies have shown that when you do take hydrolyzed collagen, uh, not only does your body break down those individual amino acids further, but it can also use the exact molecules to create uh, collagen in your body. So it's, it's both, it's a two effect, it's a double effect. Uh, so that's what I take every day, but there's also other ingredients and minerals that you need for your body to produce the collagen that it needs. And one of them is vitamin C, which is critically important. So make sure you have enough vitamin C in your diet. Make sure you have enough zinc in your diet. Make sure you have enough copper. And copper is also a very important cofactor for helping your body create collagen from the inside. So these three things I supplement with them a daily, four things I should say, vitamin C, zinc, copper, and uh, collagen peptides or hydrolyzed collagen, or even gelatin if you want. Um, those are just, you know, a fool's, fool's fit, full safe strategy for inside and outside wellness from a collagen standpoint, and not just like foods, but just from a collagen bone uh, rejuvenation. Bone broth would maybe be another good one, no? Yes, bone broth is amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. do that if you can. Cool. 
Oh my gosh, such a great list. So now we got supplements, we got foods. Um, we can we can find also these these ingredients and these um, vitamins as well in foods if you prefer that as well. But that is so awesome. Okay, so one, one other, last, go ahead. Sorry, one last thing on the foods. I think you'd ask. I didn't directly answer. Um, there's skin healthy foods and omega threes are probably one of the bigger ones in that. You can get that from fatty fish. You can get that from walnuts. Olive oil is, is a decent source as well. So try to eat more omega-3 fats. And a lot of people miss this. Um, and they eat too many omega-6 fats. So you know, try to get more omega in your diet, omega-3s in your diet. And if you're in China or Hong Kong, um, we eat uh, fish um, bladder. <laughs> Thing is fish mall it's uh mm. it's great for the skin they make lots of soups and things you can find them in many restaurants so a lot of uh people would do that i would do that and um i know this is a kind of a crazy thing but it's a little biohacking thing i got from some other biohacker is i'll eat the collagen i mean sorry the cartilage off of the bones of the chickens yes yes um, and 100 yeah <laughs> those are i think I think that what we've gone away from, uh, as you know this, Zora, is that now we only eat muscle meats. We eat the steak, we eat the, the burger, we eat only the muscle. And ancestral men or ancestors used to eat animals from nose to tail. Yes. They used to eat everything. They used to eat the brains. They used to eat the liver. The liver is probably the most nutritious animal piece of animal meat anywhere in the world, even maybe more than plants. And so there's so much that's going on in the animal kingdom, and we throw most of that away. So if we are going to eat, and especially in chicken, the connective tissue has tons of collagen, especially in chicken. So glad to hear that you do that. Yes, great. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've been the only one to eat the chicken liver in the house. People were in my home were disgusted with that. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had to stop because I think too, eating too much liver, I had you know it's quite a stop eating that every single day. I think was probably not a good idea. So I, I had to cool it, but. I um, definitely, yeah, whenever you guys get a chance, I make it taste good, make it taste good. Um, the French do it really, really well, I have to say. Um, okay. So, okay, so we've covered that. Um, Faraz, if there was something you could tell your, um, I guess, teenage self or 20-year-old self uh, that you know now, what would it be? That is a great question. Um, I would say that I would tell my teenage self that the answers, the answers to all of your problems, body, mind, are out there. You just need to find them. For example, I'll just give you this example regarding just the scars. I went to see multiple doctors for these scars over the years uh, in, uh, in many countries in the world. In fact, I went to Korea in 2019, which is the cosmetic capital of the world. And I went to, there's a area in Korea, it's called Gangnam, which is like a neighborhood after the song Gangnam style. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole neighborhood and it's got the most concentration of plastic surgeons, I believe in the world. There's like thousands in just yeah. a couple of <laughs> kilometers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I went to see a couple of them and I said, okay, hey, here's what I got. Like, what can you do? And these are like highly trained people. And they looked at me and said, we don't know what we can do. Maybe, maybe a laser can help, right? Uh, and uh, six years ago in Colorado, I paid like, I think $4,000 to have lasers done, ablative, CO2 ablative lasers on these 
no results. So it's, it's so weird that sometimes, you know, the doctors and practitioners that are doing this day in and day out are, unfortunately, they're just, what they know is what they've learned in medical school and they haven't had time to relearn. Uh, or secondly, they might not be able to tell you stuff because they could get in trouble. And if you try it and you try to sue them, right? So I understand there's a couple of pieces to it. And this happens in the medical community way more uh, than in the dermatological community, I, I, I think. But I think the answer, the answers to whatever you're seeking is out there. You, your hormones are out, out of whack. You can balance them using just natural stuff. You're, you have scars. You can get rid of scars. Like there's, you have hair loss. And I went through my own hair loss challenges and I grew back a lot of my hair. You can do it all if you just know where to look. So be patient, find mentors, look at people, ask people that know what they're doing and just follow, just, just follow what they're doing. Be patient. Like you said, so just be patient for a little while. It'll work. Oh, it's such good advice. I love it. It's super cool. And we are definitely going to talk hair because you've hacked your hair. You've hacked everything. So I think it's, we can, we have, we can have a lot more podcasts to come. You guys, if you have, uh, if you are into podcasts, please go follow Faraz. He's on anti-aging hacks. Uh, you can find them in his, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, on Instagram, Anti-Aging Hacks. His website is antiagginghacks.net, not .com, .net. Uh, and if people want to, I've got this, this guide that I've created that is the most basic things you can do to slow down your aging now. Because I, I used to get this question all the time is, what are the things we can do that are just simple, simple, simple that are maybe aging us faster? Uh, there's a guide on antiagginghacks.net forward slash age slowly, uh, no hyphen, just age slowly. You can download that and you can read uh, and you can just start to incorporate simple things in your life that will make a difference over the long term. It's free. <laughs> you guys, go get it. It's a free ebook. I love it. Um, if you have any more questions, you can always connect with Faraz. He's got, you're also on Clubhouse, which is cool. Um, you guys don't know Clubhouse, well then gotta join the club. It's a new app uh, and you just download the app and there's, it's basically like these Zoom webinars, but with our voice only. And you're Faraz K, is that? Yes, Faraz K. Faraz, F-A-R-A-Z-K. So um, if you uh, are on Clubhouse, go find him there. He's got great talks on everything anti-aging. You've got, you're such a wealth of information. I love your podcasts. You are brilliant at that. Is there going to be another anti-aging summit you're organizing? Yes, I'm going to do one more this year. Cool. Guys, look out yeah. for that. You'll find out if you, you're notified. Do you have a newsletter? I do. I do send out. So if you get the ebook uh, or if you just go to my website and uh, you put in your email, then uh, you'll get uh, two or three times a week. I'll email some tips that I'm working with, some new things I've learned on how to slow down aging, how to hack aging, and how to look good when you're 60 or 70. Yeah, or 80 or 90. We're going to yeah. look over 100. <laughs> coming, it's coming. It's coming, yeah. So is there anything we haven't covered that you want to make sure you want to share or let us know about that I've maybe forgotten? I think we've gone over a lot. And if there's any follow-on questions, I'm happy to respond to them as well.
Well, thank you so much uh, for your time, for your knowledge. You have packed so many things. You've learned from the best of the best. You've been podcasting for several years now and learned so much. And all your research is being passed on through the cloud and through the podcast. So have a really good day Good in, in Arizona. Uh, everybody else who's been here, thank you so much. And have a good day, good night, good morning, wherever you are. So take care. Thanks so much. Okay, Zora. Thanks so much for having me. See you guys. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.